Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. resonates and I was reading in Luke chapter 13 one day and and I was just thinking about all the stuff I mean is it okay to say crap is it okay because because I I I know what that is you know and uh, it's a four-letter word you can't use for the you know it stands for the other word but uh, yeah dung thank you and uh, you know in today's vernacular kids don't understand that word dung but they know what the other word is and so I, I, I started writing a book. I've got about five or six chapters written, and there's so much more to write. It's probably going to be about that thick. But the title of it is Under the Dung, because in Luke chapter 13, there's a, there's a verse of Scripture where it talks about where there was a, a gardener, and there was a fig tree, and the owner of the, of, the, of the garden came, and he told the gardener to cut down the fig tree because it wasn't bearing any fruit. And, and, the, and the gardener says, not so, Lord, let me dung it for another year. You know what dung it means, don't you? Well, they didn't have fancy fertilizers back then. They had one thing that they used for fertilizer, either dead fish or dung. And uh, so he said, let me dung it for another year. If it doesn't produce fruit, then we'll cut it down. Well, you know, the Lord does the same thing in our lives. The things that we go through, God is after something in us. He's producing character. You know, I, I just... Uh, as a matter of fact, I got to pay Brian for it, but uh, he, he got me a nice little uh, guitar body. Uh, he, he does picking. You, don't know, you, ever, you ever see American pickers? That's what Brian does. So if he calls you up one day and tells you, you know, he wants to come go through your garage or something, if you're getting ready to do something, <laughs> just let him come and, and he'll, he'll find something of value there. But he found, this, he found this, this Telecaster body, Fender Telecaster. I've been wanting a Telecaster for a long time. You know, but they're expensive. You know, they start around five, six hundred bucks and go up. And so he found this thing, and Jeremy calls me up and says, Hey, Dad, Marl's got this telly body. I said, What? I didn't know if he's talking about a telly tubby or what. You know, I said, He's got a telecaster body. I said, Oh, oh, I said, Is it a new one? He said, No, it's an old one, man. It's, it's really solid. I said, Okay. He said, but I can take it up to Griffin Guitars, and they can put you a neck on it and put your works in it. He said, you can get out for probably under $300 for this guitar. And so I said, well, I'm in. <laughs> so took it up there, and they had this thing for about a month. And, and so Friday, I got to go up and pick it up. It's beautiful. I mean, it's got character. You know, it's got some dings in it. You know what I'm talking about? It's been used. Now, I don't know if part of the character came from some punk rocker that was playing a telly and smashed it on the stage or what and broke the neck. I don't know, but it's got a couple of dings in it. And so, uh, so Jeremy had told me, he said, Dad, when, when you get done with it, can I, can I borrow it? So, so when, I, when I went and got it Friday, I, I went and took it to Jeremy. I said, here, go ahead and take it. But anyway, the thing of it is, it's something that you would think would have no value because it was broken. But in the right hands, something good, something productive can be made out of it. That's what we are in the hands of Jesus. And and God has given us everything that we need to produce in the kingdom. First of all, he's given us this one thing that we cannot do without. 
And, and, and you know, when, when the Lord gave me this message, I didn't realize how much it was going to resonate this morning. Because when I got up this morning, well, even last night, you know, I finished it up last night and I was just thinking about it. I was sitting there just processing all this stuff, you know, and this week has been one of those crazy, crazy, crazy weeks. And we've been working like crazy trying to get things done and, and, and Ray and, and I've been over at, uh, at Kids Sports putting ballast and lights and stuff. Ray has. I've been getting the materials for him and stuff and painting and all this kind of stuff. It's been one of those kind of weeks. And uh, so you're trying to cram everything into your week. You know what I'm saying? You know, a lot of people, you wonder what you're going to do with your time. Well, I got all this time to spend. What am I going to do with it? But, you know, it's just like, well, what can I cram into this little bit of time? And so, so last night we sit down and then, then I get a text from or get a call from from uh, Eddie, uh, and Ed said that Holly had been taken to the hospital. And so I'm sitting there thinking, well, you know, I can't just let her go into the hospital. I got to go down and see her. And so literally I, I, I told, I told Ed, so I'm coming down. I want to anoint Holly. And well, and, and so, uh, when I got ready to leave, I had this big bottle of olive oil and I asked Becky, I said, Becky, if you've got a small bottle, I can just put some olive oil in. I don't want to go in with this big giant thing. So she goes and gets me a little hair spritz. You know what I'm talking A little spritz bottle about yay big and brings it back. It's got a little spray top on it. So, so I, I, I pour some oil in it, put the top on it and I'm, I'm driving down the road. Well, then I call Ed's number and guess who answers it? It's Holly. And I said, Holly, I'm getting ready to come down and see you at the hospital. Oh, pastor, you don't have to do that. I said, well, you know, I wanted to come and anoint you. And I said, as a matter of fact, I'm bringing the spray bottle with me. <laughs> I said, I thought about bringing my garden sprayer and just hose you down, you know, get this over with. So uh, anyway, went down and anointed Holly and she was, she was doing good, but they kept her all night for observations, see what's going on. She really needs a lot of prayer. Y'all have heard her testimony. If you haven't heard it, I would encourage you to go to the Destiny City site, uh, just uh, destinycity.org. And look up, there's a little tab that says media. Go to the media tab and pull up Holly Burnside's testimony. And we have a, a podcast that we do every Sunday. We, we put every message on, on the uh, computer so that you can, you can download it and listen to it. And so she, her testimony is there. And, and she testifies of how that she, when in 2006 was, and it was somewhere around there, she found out her heart, she was only pumping at about 5%. And they had literally put her on the schedule for, for a heart transplant. And we began to pray, and the Lord touched her, and, and her heart uh, got up to about normal, almost normal. You know, more, most people's hearts pumping at about 70% capacity. Hers was at 55%, which is pretty good for somebody who was at 5%. So she didn't, they took her off to the list for the heart transplant. And it seems like ever since then, the enemy has tried to attack her. But you know what? God has given us all the help that we need as believers in the person of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning is about the Holy Spirit. I, I love the book of Romans. And in, in the world that we're living in today, I mean, when religious leaders, and y'all know what I'm talking about, such as the Pope, would get up and say that you don't have to believe in Jesus. You can be an atheist and you're going to go to heaven because God's merciful and he understands. Well, you can be an atheist and go to heaven if you get born again. But that's the only way. 
Because Jesus said, you must be born again. I'll believe what Jesus says over what the Pope says. And so Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit, because that which is flesh is flesh, and that which is spirit is spirit. Now, this body is made of flesh. This body's going to die. When the Spirit leaves the body, it's dead. It's over. The word spirit in the, in the Hebrew is the word ruah. In the Greek, it is the word pneuma, which means breath or air. And so God's holy breath, everybody say holy breath. God's holy breath lives in us as believers. Without God's holy breath in us, we're dead. We are dead. At one time, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were dead because the law said the soul that sinneth must surely die. And every one of us has sinned. All have sinned. And that's what Paul is talking about. As a matter of fact, Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse verse 18 and following, he says this. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress truth by their wickedness. Everybody says suppress truth by their wickedness. What do you think is going on in our world today? Truth is being suppressed by the wickedness of man. We're calling evil good, good evil. That's weird, isn't it? I mean, how we flip things upside down. It says they know the truth about God because he's made it obvious to them. I mean, you have to be a moron to look around and and say, well, there's no God because this thing just kind of happened. Yeah, how foolish. And, and, And Paul talks about that. He says, for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they begin to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. Does that sound, does that sound relevant to our day? They began to have foolish ideas of what God is like. I mean, you know, I've heard all kinds of of dreamed up, schemed up ideas of what God is like. Well, I see him as almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, omniscient. I mean, all of these things, his invisible qualities are are revealed. I mean, the earth, they're constantly discovering new things about the earth. And now they're wanting to explore Mars and the moon and all that kind of stuff. And just imagine what they're going to find there. I mean, we could never, ever in all of our, I mean, if God left us here for another trillion billion years, we would never be able to discover all there is to know about God. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, the worship. They worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. I told you about when I was down in Mexico several years ago. It's been about 10 years ago now. We went to a, 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 a little Catholic church there, I guess you'd call it, a little mission in Moralia. And this is so heavily Catholic there. And we go in, and when we walk into this place, I'm not kidding you. There was enough gold, and I'm surprised they didn't have armed guards everywhere. There was enough gold and silver in that place made into the likenesses of people, saints as they called them, that they would go in and sit and worship. 
They had little booze made for them. They'd go into these booths. You see people in there worshiping these idols, calling upon them for wisdom and instruction. And I'm thinking, wow, I feel like I'm living back in the days of Ahab or something. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself. I don't know if y'all noticed this or not, but, you know, if you watch the Emmys or you watch some of the music awards and stuff like that, when a star comes onto the stage, what do the people do? They're worshiping. They're worshiping these creatures, these idols that they adore. And, and we, we, we put people on pedestals and we worship them and we don't worship God. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women against the natural way to have sex and instead indulge in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with, their, with other men. And as a result of this sin, you see, the Bible calls it sin. Okay. As a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that, they, that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand. They break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy they know God's justice requires that they who do such things, say it with me, deserve to die. Yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. This is where we are. Paul is laying up a case. Now, Paul is, is being a lawyer in the book of Romans. He is going to take us to court, and he's going to prove that every man, woman, and child are guilty in the eyes of God because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That places us in a precarious position because that places us directly under the wrath of God. The wrath of God is coming and God will execute judgment upon the earth for all the things that man has done, all the evil things, all the aborted babies, all the murders, all of the abuse, all of the molestation, all of the drug addiction, all of the whoredom, everything else that mankind has done, the lying, the backstabbing, the cheating, and everything that man has done, God himself is going to judge. And every one of us, can only stand before God and our plea has to be guilty as charged. Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says there's none that does righteous. No, not one. 
There's not one of us that can stand before God on our own merit and declare that we are righteous in the eyes of God. Have you ever in your heart, have you ever in your heart cheated? Have you ever in your heart told a lie? Have you ever in your heart said, I hate that person? Have you ever in your heart thought about lustful, had lustful thoughts towards someone else other than your wife or your husband? Have you ever, if you have, guilty as charged? Every one of us. So we are dead. We're already, the sentence of death is upon us because the soul that sinneth shall surely die. We all are sinners. And because of that, the wages, what we deserve for our sinful behavior, Paul sums it up in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, and it says that the wages of sin is death. And if we stop there, it leaves us hanging in a very, very bad place. We are, we are under the wrath of God positionally. We're doomed. We have no recourse. But thank God, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the only way that that can happen is through the new birth. How are we born again? We are born again by the Spirit of God, by believing in the, in the finished work that Jesus did at Calvary. For if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God is raised him from the dead, if you confess it with your mouth, you shall be saved. That's, isn't that what it says? So salvation comes that way. And we cannot do what God has called us to do without the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't be born again without the Spirit because it's a work of God. Remember, because we have to have breath in order to live. So how are we born again? It is when the breath of God breathes life into your spirit. When you breathe it in. And we can, we can walk around and we can be dead people walking. We look like we're alive. We can even come to church and still be just as dead as a doornail. I don't know what a doornail is, but something like a fingernail, I guess. But you're just as dead as can be until the spirit of God breathes life into your spirit. Once you're made alive in the spirit, there's a wonderful thing that happens. By faith, you receive what Jesus has done at Calvary. You would say, Jesus, I know that you died in my place on that cross so that I, being dead to sins, might live under righteousness, that I might be made alive in you. That's what Jesus did for us. He paid the penalty for our sins. Rightly before God, we stood in condemnation. Every one of us deserving to die. But Jesus took the penalty. He redeemed us. He bought us. He paid for us. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your bodies. You are bought and paid for. Now, when we receive that finished work that Jesus has done, God says, okay, here's life. He breathes life into our spirit. We become alive in Jesus. And according to Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there's therefore now no condemnation unto them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. There's no condemnation. 
all of the things that would condemn us are taken away. They are nailed to a cross and they are crucified. They are done away with so that you and I stand before God righteous and holy and clean and pure. And that's the way God wants us to stay. He don't want us to stay in what we were. He wants us to move on to who we are. Dutch Sheets had, had written a book, and the title of it is Becoming Who You Are. And that kind of is profound to think about, becoming who you are. Now, who are we? Well, the Bible says if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Have they? Have they? Well, they should be. Because that's who you are. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. You don't think like you used to. You don't do the things you used to. The things that used to really draw upon you and pull you, they don't anymore because you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. I love that. I don't know about you. I don't don't want to go back to what I was. I want to be what God wants me to be. Now, Paul says that the only way that that can happen is for the Holy Spirit to help us. I'm going to read that, those verses of Scripture out of the New Living Translation. It says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to to sin's control over us by giving us his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirements of the law could be fully satisfied for us. Now, what were the just requirements of the law? The soul that sinned us shall surely, okay, Jesus died for us. Who no longer follow our sinful natures, but instead follow the spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think think about the things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your minds leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are under control of the sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. Say that with me. I am not controlled by my sinful nature. Hallelujah. (laughs) You are controlled by the spirit you have, the spirit of God living in you. Hallelujah. I love that. And remember, those that do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. You shall know them by their... What produces the fruit inside of us? The spirit of God. The spirit of God. Paul goes on to explain that in this life, we can expect trouble and tribulation and suffering. You can expect mornings like the one I just had. They're going to happen. You know, when when you're in a hurry anyway, and you go out and you put your key in the truck and it won't start. And you got to do a million things that you normally don't have to do on a Sunday morning. And it's like, today of all days. So you do, you do what you know that you need to do as a spirit-filled believer. You know what you do? You start praying in the Holy Ghost. 
Hallelujah. Because your human nature wants to take over. You want to get mad, start throwing things and, and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Because your flesh wants to do that, right? You want to run in and kick the dog and run back out the door, you know? <laughs> but the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God gives you the strength. And when someone does something against you and you know you've got to forgive that person and you don't want to forgive them, it takes everything within your body to do it. But you abandon your body and you turn to the Holy Ghost and you begin to do what the Holy Ghost tells you to do and you don't do what your body tells you to do. You do it in contrary to this flesh. Your flesh wants you to just misquote Scripture and do what it says in Ecclesiastes. Whatsoever your hand finds to do, do that with all your might. That's Old Testament. But your spirit says, pray. Why? I love it. Romans 8, 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Would you say that with me? And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all our hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us, believers, in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. You see how God works in harmony with us? The beautiful thing is, when we begin to pray in the Spirit, when we begin to pour out our hearts in prayer to God, sometimes with the utterings and groanings that we don't even understand, but God understands our hearts, the Holy Spirit takes over, He begins to pray, and when the Holy Spirit prays, guess what? We're praying in perfect union with God. We don't mess up our praying, you know? I mean, I've had times in my life when I've had to pray in the Holy Spirit because all I could think of in my heart was to say, God, kill them. Break the teeth of mine enemies, oh Lord. Slay them, Lord. That's my flesh. But my spirit, man, says, no. God, have mercy on them. Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. Bless them, Lord. Bless them. Bless them, Father. I pray blessing on my enemies. Bless them, Father. You begin to pray in the Holy Ghost because you run out of words to say. All you can think of is bless them, Lord. And it's like, how do I bless them, Lord? I, I don't know, Lord. You do it. I mean, you know? Because all I can think of is, Lord, just bless them with a good train wreck or something, you know? But that's my unfruitful thinking. That's me. That's my flesh. But when I pray in the Holy Ghost, God knows what's deep inside of my spirit and the spirit inside of me, the spirit of God that lives inside of me is praying in unity with the Father. And when he does, then God begins to make his purposes work together in union with my purposes. He makes all things work together for the good of those who love him, who are the called according to his purpose. 
Then we begin to fit within the purposes of God. Next thing we know, we begin to find ourselves going to our enemy and saying, how can I help you? How can I bless you? Let me give you some money, whatever, you know, just let me bless you. You know, we're, you know, 10 seconds ago, you was wanting to smash their teeth out. But this is just God. That's the way he works. God does it in so many other ways. I mean, just giving us patience. Patience is a virtue. We're to add this to our faith. This morning was one of those times when you just had to exercise patience. As Jess said, you know, when I went to, I, I went to get a battery for my truck. I left it running when we got here. I had to have somebody jump me off over at uh, D.C. Central because I forgot to turn the engine off when I backed up to the trailer. And it wouldn't start, so I got somebody to jump me off. And, and so when I come over here, I dropped the trailer. Then I went and got a battery. So I go in and pay for my battery. I come back out, and there's a flock of seagulls flying around. And of all places, for them to make a deposit, they wanted to buy my truck, I guess, really bad. They wanted me to know that they left a deposit on it. So when I reached for the handle, it's like, <laughs> oh, Jesus. So anybody want to shake my hand? I've washed it three times this morning, believe me, with soap and water. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I just begin to pray in the Spirit. You can't let these things dampen your day. Just remember, you know, I am blessed with the best, no stress, and highly favored. How do I know that? Because the Spirit of God living inside of me. Because of God's Spirit within me. That's how I know. And, and, and God helps us in every situation. I, I, I love what Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 14. He says, you know, let not your heart be troubled. In my Father's house are many mansions. He's telling his disciples. He's getting ready to go to the Father. He's telling them that, uh, that, that he's going away, but it's necessary for him to go. He said it's expedient. It's necessary for me to go to the Father because if I don't go, then I can't do what's really good for you. And what was really good for us, he says, if I go, then I will send the Holy Spirit, the comforter, your advocate, your helper, the parakletos, the one who comes alongside to help you. And, and, and he, will, he will do several things. He will guide you in all truth. He'll show you everything that, that I want you to know. He'll reveal truth to you. So, you know, as I started out this morning and saying there's so many things going on today that we need to know what the truth is. And we need someone whispering truth to our spirit, and we need to learn the voice of the Holy Spirit. We need to learn to get quiet before God and listen to him. When Jim Riley was here a few weeks ago, he, he said that God was going to do some amazing things in our ministry and stuff. And he said, God is going to, to give us this building and these kind of things. He said, but pointed his finger at me and he says, but you have got to listen to the whispers of God. And in order to hear the whispers of God, you've got to get quiet. You've got to say, my soul, quiet within me. So I've been going out and where I normally would welcome the birds to come around to my bird feeders and stuff and listen to them sing. I'll shoo them away. I want to hear the whispers. <laughs> no, God can even speak to us through them. But I just go sit on the porch and I listen for the whispers of God. And Becky said one day, she said, I wonder what, he's, I wondered what he was doing out there because he's just sitting there. Sometimes it looks like you're being unproductive. But that's the, most, that's the most productive time 
you can possibly have. It's when you just listen to the whispers of God. Let him speak to you. He'll speak to you. But you've got to quiet yourself. Allow the Holy Spirit to whisper to you. And tell you things that the Father wants you to know. I need to listen to the whispers of God if we're going to do the things that God wants us to do. You know, I don't want to put in a tape or a, or a, a CD or anything or, or download something from somebody else and get secondhand information from the Father. I need to hear it directly from Him. It's okay to download stuff and listen to it. But I encourage you, put aside some time when you're not listening to secondhand information. You're getting it directly from the heart of the Father. Allow the Holy Spirit inside of you to speak to you, to tell you things. Jesus said he would reveal things to you. He'd show you things that you don't know about. He'll show you deep things because deep calls out to deep. He'll show you streams of living water. He'll, he'll show you things that you need to know, but you've got to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit because the reason he's come alongside us is to help us. Jesus even told his disciples, he said, this is going to be a time when you're going to be persecuted to the extent that they're going to put you out of the synagogues. Some of you, they're even going to put you to death. He said, they're going to call you before council. He said, but don't worry about what you're going to say before you get there. Don't just write down a bunch of stuff and take it with you. You don't have to have a lawyer when you go before them because he says, I will tell you what to speak. The Holy Spirit will show you what to say. And when we depend upon the Holy Spirit to tell us what to say, we always know that we are speaking what God is saying. And we need to learn to listen to the whispers of God and allow the Holy Spirit to help us. The other thing Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do was give us power, didn't he? He said, greater works than these that I do shall you do because I go to the Father. Well, if he went to the Father, and then how are we going to do the works that he told us to do? He said, because I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. When he comes, he shall not just be with you. He said, he shall be in you. So where's the Holy Spirit? You know, sometimes we, can, we come and, and we want to be real spiritual. We go like, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. But he's already here. And the Holy Spirit wants to say, shut up. Listen, I'm here. Just quiet yourself in my presence and listen to me. Let me speak to your heart. Let me talk to you. Let me talk to you. God wants to talk to you. If you will learn to listen. Learn to hear his voice. Can you discern the voice of the Holy Spirit? Can you? How can I know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to me? You've got to know his voice. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. They hear my voice. They follow me. Quiet yourself. Learn to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit. Above every voice that is speaking. Have you ever been in a crowded room when people are talking and you heard the Holy Spirit speak a whisper to your heart? Anybody ever been there? 
Everything is going on. I know a couple of years ago when I was down in Mexico and I was preaching. And the people were amen and real good. We just had a really powerful worship service and everything else. And it was awesome. And man, I was ready to take charge, be the man of God that God told you. And they pushed a man in front of me that I looked down at him. And I wanted to charge off of that platform, lay hands on him, cast the devil out of him, command healing to his body. Didn't know what was wrong with him. I just know his head was laid back. He was slobbering like he was a madman or something. Had foamed in his mouth and everything. His eyes were rolled back. And I'm thinking, you know, this man definitely is, there's a spirit of infirmity. There's a sickness there. I don't know what it is. But, but I started to walk off the platform. The Holy Spirit just whispered, said, no, no. So I backed up. And I'm up there preaching. I'm preaching like a house on fire. As I'm, as I'm preaching, the Holy Spirit says, don't you touch that man. Lay hands on the leaders. Let them touch that man. So I had preached with me, Nathaniel. So we started laying hands on people and praying for them. And I had the pastors to come up and all the pastors. And we just, we laid hands on the leaders. And I said, now you go out. You begin laying hands on, on others. So they started laying hands on others. Well, you know, I, I just lost track of what happened. I never, I, I know the man was there, and the next thing you know, he's gone. And I didn't, didn't think anything else of it. You know, I thought maybe they took him home. And as far as I knew, they might have took him home to die. I mean, he looked like he was that close to death. And so the next night, we're having worship service. We had this long worship service. Now, some of you folks need to go with me to Mexico. You think we spend a lot of time in worship? I mean, they'd just be getting warmed up now. They'd just be on the third verse of the second song. And so they got this worship service going on, and, and people are just really just celebrating. And I look up, and there's this man, and he's just up in front, and he's like, whoo! back and forth and he's just jumping up and down he's just worshiping with all his heart I mean this guy's like he's jumping four feet off the ground I'm like wow that guy's happy and this goes on for a long time and finally the music just abruptly stops and the pastor steps up and he says something in Spanish which I didn't understand and and this guy comes up and he takes the microphone and he starts speaking in Spanish and everybody's getting really excited and Enmer Inmer Zuniga, who's been here and spoken, was sitting beside me. And Inmer speaks a little bit of English. And I said to Inmer, I said, Inmer, who is that man? I said, I've seen him before. He looks so familiar. He says, oh, pastor, last night, the man is sitting in the, in the chair, the, 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 the wheelchair. And I said, yeah. He said, that man, he had cancer, cancer of the brain. And he almost dead. They bring him in here. Jesus touch him and heal him. I'm like, glory to God. I said, Holy Spirit, you're so good because I didn't have to touch that man. The Holy Spirit touched him. The Holy Spirit just showed me that he don't need me. I need him. I need him. And you need him. To do the works that Jesus has called us to do. But we got to learn to hear his voice. 
before we start trying to do his works. And we hear his voice, we clearly know how to do his works. But he's here to help us. My message for you today is that the Holy Spirit is our helper. We've got to learn to listen to him and allow him to speak to us, to show us exactly what to do. Most importantly, the Holy Spirit is the one who keeps us in line with God's will. He helps us in ways that, 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 that we are led by his promptings through prayer. And one of the things that you and I have a lot of difficulty with, tell me if I'm wrong, is, is to not get anxious about something. You get an unexpected bill in the mail and it's marked IRS. How's that make you feel? Not very good. Or you forget a bill and you get a call and, and, and you forgot to pay a bill. You maybe missed it in the mail or something. They call you and they remind you. And for some reason, you've already spent the money that that was. I mean, you have this anxiety to come in. Or something happens. Your car breaks down. You get a little anxious. So what do you do? Well, I've learned to do one thing. Be anxious for nothing. But in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Make my request known unto God. And you know what happens then? The peace of God that passes all understanding guards my heart and my mind through Jesus Christ. That's what happens. Just the peace of God comes. It's amazing. It's amazing how God does those kind of things. And then, you know, like I said before, when someone comes and they want to do something that, that just really... Uh, upsets you. I'm putting it just as mildly as I know how. You know what I'm talking about. They offend you. You have opportunity to do one of two things. You have the opportunity to get really upset and angry and start stewing over it and, and, and just getting just really, really mad about it and, and then your flesh starts to take over. Or You can do what it says in Colossians 3.15. You can forgive even as God in Christ has forgiven you. And let the peace of God that passes all understanding rule in your hearts and your minds through faith. So which one sounds better? Let the peace of God just forgive. And understand that God's forgiven you of so much stuff. That there's nothing worth us hanging on to. There's nothing that compares to the ways we have violated God's word and offended him. And yet God forgives us. So we make a choice. We make a conscious choice right at that very moment. I choose not to be angry. I choose to forgive. And then the peace of God just comes flooding in. And we walk in it. And then a beautiful thing begins to happen, as Paul says in Colossians there. He says, then we begin to sing songs, psalms and hymns, making spiritual songs, making melody in our hearts to the Lord. Doesn't that sound a whole lot better than sitting around grumbling and complaining and moaning and groaning? Yeah, that's so much better, isn't it? And I, I challenge you, when something disrupts your day 
when something happens that you have absolutely no control over, don't let it control you. Just let the peace of God rule. He wants to help you. Amen. This, this message is for somebody today. That's uh, for me, okay? I'll just take the pressure off of you. It's for me. But if you get something out of it, I'm glad. I'm glad it helps you. Because the Holy Spirit definitely is you. You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.